electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Back on the Road. Global travel on the mend. The many travelers and investors making that bet with Marriott CEO Tony Capuano. The investment community is gaining confidence in the recovery of travel. Could it be the end of the pandemic as we know it? Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi says things are changing. As the world is opening up, so is our business. We hit an all-time high in terms of gross bookings. October again was an all-time high for us. It was up over 40%. Those stories plus infrastructure week. Finally, vaccine mandates are up for debate again. And American Airlines staffing is back up in the air. Those who work during peak holiday periods will earn 150% of their normal pay. It's Monday, November 8th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. Joe, um, we match pretty nicely, though. That happens a lot. I don't know what that means. It's 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 being, you know, work spouses for how long? Uh, Mm, 20 years? 17. Getting up there. Yeah. Getting up there. Longer than a lot of of other relationships. This is true. This is true. Except for Pongo, not even my my dog Pongo is 16, but usually even dogs. uh, the, The greatest dog in the world usually doesn't last 17 years like we. Like us dogs do? Yeah. Yes, exactly. The journal, you know, the journal's take is that um, now the economy's got to figure out exactly who it is, what kind of economy it's going to be. (laughs) An existential crisis. Yeah. The easy gains are over. What's the growth rate? What's it going to look like when we're totally back to normal and we can't count on? You know, we we, we have Marriott coming on um, later and they I mean, the stock's at an all time high, you know, revenue up 75 percent. But in my gut, I think we're just at the very beginning. Of the rebound of travel, for in sure. travel. Yeah. There's I mean, so I, much. I can't wait up. to get back out there. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah. So this is not as good as, as it's going to get for, uh, but for travel. But the question is how much of that's been priced into the market and how to much the stock. Yeah, to the, the stock. stock. Right. It's not definitely in the bottom, the, the top and bottom line numbers. They're much better. They're almost, you know, 75% revenue gain year over year. Yeah. But uh, an occupancy doubled almost to 65%. So, right. I mean, this is, I mean, we've got... And, and business travel is the big question. Like, how soon is business travel going to go back? A lot of businesses have probably helped their margins by not having people mm. traveling and like, doing some of these things. They've been just as productive. And you, you hear from a lot of the big CEOs, especially on the Wall Street banks and places, who say we've got to get back out there. They do believe it's very important to meet in person. But you know there are also businesses where they have to be looking at things saying, hey, we've managed to keep the business up and keep the sales up even without the travel, and look what, how that has helped our margins along the way. Late Friday night, the House of Representatives passed a trillion-dollar bipartisan infrastructure bill. Moderate Democrat Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey spoke on the steps of the U.S. Capitol. With tonight's vote, we are sending the once-in-a-century bipartisan infrastructure bill to the president's desk. 
with his colleague Pramila Jayapal. Hey, everybody. Head of the House Progressive Caucus, who outlined the deals that had been made. We will move the bipartisan infrastructure bill forward. Our colleagues have committed that they will all vote for the rule tonight on the Build Back Better Act. And they have also committed that no later than November 15th, they will also deliver the votes to pass the Build Back Better Act. The infrastructure legislation had been stalled for months after it was tied to President Biden's larger social spending bill, the Build Back Better Act. It finally passed after 11 p.m. on the East Coast. On this vote, the yeas are 228 and the nays are 206. The motion is adopted. Thirteen Republicans crossed the aisle to vote for the bill. And it is a win for the president after his approval rating has taken a hit and his party suffered a difficult loss in the Virginia governor's race and a closer-than-expected contest in New Jersey. American people have made clear one overwhelming thing, I think. And I really mean it. All the talk about the elections and what do they mean and everything. They want us to deliver. They want us to deliver. The journal, like, outed the 13 House Republicans. <laughs> they, like, listed. They didn't put their phone numbers, but they listed the House well, Republicans. It's an infrastructure that, bill. Like, I, I was more interested in the six Democrats who didn't vote for it. Like, are you right. kidding? But the, if, they, if these guys hadn't done it, they wouldn't have passed. Right. And, and it makes the $4 trillion, uh, which they're calling one and three-quarter, much more likely to pass now. So I don't know. These guys are all in swing states. But it's just funny. They didn't put phone numbers, but that'll be maybe the next thing that they put in here. The, out of the trillion dollars, some of it's good, but it's, 100, a it's like it's $100 good. billion. It's $100 billion for roads. But do you roads. know how long it's been since we have invested, not just in roads, still and not. things like it's billion. the infrastructure that it comes for, for making sure you it's get a lot the, of bad the internet stuff out it, there. For me, look. At, at least it lapses. The other stuff stay, like, lasts so forever. The, this at, least, at least this has the a... business councils behind this, The you know every business group that you can look to. $110 billion for actual infrastructure out of the trillion. No, and then they, we, they even call the $4 trillion infrastructure. But they, they, again, the idea that you have six Democrats who actually voted against this, are you kidding? Me? These Heroes. are like either either we Heroes. get everything we want or we're gonna give you nothing. Heroes. AOC. Omar. Yeah. Heroes. Heroes. Either you give us six trillion or we want nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like. Infrastructure bill that installed that six trillion they already negotiated down from eighty bill eighty trillion. <laughs> Bernie came already came down. Yes, and this larger spending bill is still go, kind of going through the motions on this. They're gonna have to go through and find CBO. out exactly through the CBO, and it's Score. not just Manchin who's asking for that squaring. There's at least five moderate yeah. House Democrats who are asking for this too. So they're emboldened by last week, by the November whatever it was. Yeah. It's today. I don't Today's know. the 8th, I believe. It's the 8th. So, so then that was it the was second. Tuesday. Yeah. So, yeah. November 2nd, is that right? Yeah. Hmm. Time moves quickly. Also over the weekend, the federal appeals court temporarily blocked the Biden administration's new vaccine mandate rules for private employers. The rules require employers to ensure that their workers are vaccinated or tested weekly for COVID. The three-judge panel said that the rules raise what they called grave statutory and constitutional issues. The judges said that they would quickly consider whether an issue, whether to issue an injunction against the mandate and ordered the Biden administration to file legal papers by this afternoon defending their decision to do so. We knew that these challenges would come. These have been backed. Um, by Republican states, where there are some businesses who have kind of moved against it, but a lot of businesses have already met the standards and kind of pushed their employees to do it, getting their vaccination levels up to 90% and above. Yeah. 
This is going to get interesting as these pill, depending on when these pills come. Once again, I, I harken back to Marriott. Marriott was paying four hours if you get give you an extra four hours, but not mandating. But can you imagine? Let's say you're a company that can't find people now. Yeah. You can't find well, them anyway. Just about every company. Right, and you're a service industry, right. and you're like, wow. Now I'm going to fire another ten thousand employees. Because of the mandates. United did it, and they got their, their rates up to 99% of people who got vaccinated. Right. So it, it depends on how quickly you move on these things. Other companies like Delta have taken but a slightly different for, approach the, and said, fine, if you're not going to do it, you're going to pay 200 bucks out of po- pocket. You're going to pay 200 bucks out of pocket for the right. health care insurance. That, Ed Bastian did not do it. And he was uh, received accolades for, for walking a, you know, a non-divisive line of trying to make it happen. But not with blunt force, blunt force trauma. And we'll talk to Tony uh, Capuano about how they decided to do it. But if you were if you were in a business where you already can't satisfy demand in your customers and now you're. Well, you're, that's actually why they pushed it off. This was initially supposed to take place like December 8th or something. They had pushed it to January till after the holidays. The one question I have is how often can you take these pills? Because I've, I've heard some varying degrees of, OK, you could take it a couple of times a year. You could take it every few years. I, I don't know if you could. I, I don't know what the situation is. I should ask a doctor well, you more about this, but I've Merck heard from doctors some, some varying The Merck degrees. pill is the one that has some mutagenicity. There's, right. there's, no, there's none of that I think that Pfizer. was I think that was the, it was the Merck, right. the Merck nine, pill. And it's one's 50 and one's 90. So. so which one are you taking? Right. American Airlines is going to pay flight attendants extra uh, to work during, during peak holiday travel periods. The airlines trying to avoid staff shortfalls uh, that contributed to more than... 2,000 flight cancellations late last month. Uh, those who work during peak holiday periods will earn 150% of their normal pay. Those who have no absences between November 15th and January 2nd will receive triple pay wow. for their smart. holiday hours. That's smart. I'm waiting for my, uh, I've been here since April 20th, 2020. I've seen nothing. I, I, I haven't even, I don't think anyone's really mentioned it. I think I'm, we're okay. We're doing well. A thank you would be, you know. Thank you. Or a you really are an essential worker. You rock. Obviously. How about that? Yeah, right. Attaboy. Next on Squawk Pod, pack your bags. Global travel is back. International travelers are now welcome to visit the United States again. Today, we're tracking the recovery with Marriott CEO Tony Capuano. I was in Orlando last week. Our hotels were full while you saw lots of leisure travelers, as you might expect. Lots of business travelers and lots of folks walking around with group meeting name tags. We'll be right back. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.
This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Uh, I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick. I know where Andrew is. I know exactly where he is. You do? You do, right? It's a big week. Big oh, week. It is a big, big week. I don't know where he is this minute, but I do know what he has planned this week. Studying. 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 Preparing. Deal book. Big conference. Lots of guests. Once again, my invite. Lost in the mail. Uh, it's weird. It gets lost. Maybe it's in my spam folder. Or, or, or is because there a you physical? Have it blocked? <laughs> he might be. You know what? I got to unblock him. That's there you right. go. That's probably it. Hospitality. Lodging companies should benefit as foreign travelers come back to the United States. Joining us now is the CEO of the world's largest hotel uh, operator. World's largest. Man, no, not even. <laughs> you go all the way, right? Tony, Tony Capuano, Merritt CEO, and you're close. Are you close? Are you at the landmark property right up the street? I am. I could probably throw a golf ball and hit you, Joe. I'm on the <laughs> terrace here at the Times Square edition. Great to be back. An eight iron. It's great. It's great to have you on it. So, uh, Tony, earlier, I don't know if your ears were burning, but I was reading about the, the lead story in the Wall Street Journal. Global economic recovery is going to change and it's going to get almost like going to be harder to make the same types of gains as we get back to normalized growth. I don't in my gut. That's not where where lodging is yet. I think the amount of pent up uh, demand that people are feeling to go stay somewhere besides where they live is just we haven't even scratched the surface yet. I think you're exactly right, Joe, and that's what the data says. In the third quarter, we talked about occupancy globally getting back to 58%, which is still a far cry from where we were pre-pandemic, but we've come measurably beyond the 12% occupancy we saw in the depths of the pandemic. But I agree with you. We think leisure has lots of legs going forward. Group is, is improving quarter over quarter. And even with a little pause we saw as a result of the Delta variant, business transient is improving week over week. And we saw that through every week in October. 75% increase year over year in revenue. It's, an, it's another way to look at it. And obviously those gains are going to be hard, but I, the, I think the analyst community looks at Marriott stock. And of course, you know, you came on and uh, when you come in in February and a lot of that move is just because of the I think the Capuano effect. But um, no, but seriously, you're at new highs already. Right. Is, is it uh, already sort of discounting these much better times, do you think? Or is there more to go? And I know, you, you know, you can't obviously tell where your stock's yeah, going to go. I mean, go. I'll leave the stock price to the investors. But what's clear is the investment community is gaining confidence in the recovery of travel. And I think to your point, Joe, one of the things we've seen that's really encouraging, while demand is not quite back to where we were pre-pandemic, in the third quarter, average daily rates globally were within 4% of where we were in 2019. And the last time I was with you and Becky, we talked about our confidence in pricing power, and we continue to see that quarter over quarter. You're a domestic uh, company, the lion's share of uh, the results, obviously, but it, it would certainly help because you've got tentacles all over the, the all over the globe. And Asia Pacific is an important. I know you don't break out China, um, but that hurt to some extent because of the resurgence of covid in, in China. It did. When we gave our second quarter results, we pointed to China and we said we had seen full recovery in demand, not just in aggregate but across each of the demand segments, leisure, business, and group. 
to your point, in the third quarter, you saw about 150 cities locked down for a limited period of time. That hurt the results in August, but we saw those markets start to recover in September, and that recovery has continued through October and even into early November. Tony, I I mentioned earlier how difficult it it is for certain service sector uh, entities to to get workers. And and I was referencing the vaccine mandates and and your approach, which I characterize as more of a carrot approach than than a stick approach, and just how difficult it it must be when you're already short workers and you're talking about if if you do a mandate vaccine, you might end up laying off thousands of employees that you can't afford to weigh off. Did that factor into your thinking on 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 how to respond to, um, to this pandemic? Well, we certainly believe at the macro level, widespread distribution of the vaccines is key to full recovery of travel. As you mentioned, we've been pretty bullish in terms of providing education to our associates, providing in- economic incentives for them to get vaccinated. We, like many American businesses, just received the OSHA guidelines and we're working our way through those guidelines. And and our conclusions from that analysis will inform uh, where we go with vaccine mandates. But we will certainly be compliant come January 4th. The rising rates that we've been reading about in in Germany, other places in Europe, has that had any impact on bookings in those areas where they do see rising rates again? Well, again, uh, Europe, we saw almost double occupancy, Q3 versus Q2. Uh, The European borders, as they started to open, we're seeing uh, cross-EU travel, and we're seeing a nice spike in inbound uh, international travel to the European continent, particularly from the U.S. This has just been the last week or two, though. Do you see any sort of impact when you start reading about these headlines, or does that take longer time to to impact, or do you think it's just not something that will impact at this point? Yeah, we see the data in real time, but we've not seen any measurable change over the last week or two. Hey, Tony, down in, uh, in I guess it's not Orlando, but it might, I think of it as, as Orlando. Finally, uh, a, a, what's going to be another uh, pretty important property for Marriott is opening. When Comcast reported amazing results at, at some of the, the theme park business. So that's going to come back as well. What was the delay in that property down there and the development of it? And are you gratified that it's ready to come online. Yeah, we're thrilled. There was a little bit of supply chain issues with some of the furniture and fixtures, uh, but we're excited about the opening. I was in Orlando last week. Our hotels were full, and maybe most encouragingly, while you saw lots of leisure travelers, as you might expect, lots of business travelers and lots of folks walking around with group meeting name tags. So Orlando is coming back very strong. And obviously they... You know, this is leisure travel that we're seeing. Business travel uh, will be lagging by how much do you think? And and does it get back to 90 percent, 100 percent, 120 percent? What do you really think happens there? Well, it won't surprise you that I'm quite bullish on the recovery of business travel. But I think it will look a little different. Uh, I was in Europe a month ago and in the course of my 12 day travels, I was a business transient traveler, I was a group meeting attendee, and I even snuck in a little leisure travel. So I think this blending of trip purpose might be a little hard to to figure out exactly trip purpose, but we feel really good. And what we hear from our customers, especially those that are in client-facing businesses, they want and need to get back on the road and get in front of their clients. Tony, do you 
agonize or think about business in China. And, and I can see how Marriott w- would in some ways separate the, the, the Chinese people and satisfying the needs of the Chinese people with the CCP. But then again, the, the CCP is, is something that I think all, all business people have to think about. And how many hotels, I mean, you, for a while, you're opening up a lot of new hotels all, all around the world. I forget what the statistic was. Uh, what is it, one every day or something? Unbelievable. Pre-pandemic, we were opening more than a hotel a day. That's right. And in China, we've got our footprint today, Joe, is about 400 hotels, plus or minus. And we've got another 400 hotels in the pipeline behind that. China's our second biggest market. The vast majority of our portfolio in China is Chinese-owned. And one of, the, one of the byproducts of the pandemic, the Chinese have really been exploring their country because of the limitations to travel internationally. So we think that's built awareness of our product and of some of the domestic destinations. And as those borders open and international flows back in, we're very bullish about the future of demand in China. But you're agnostic about, you know, you've seen some of the controversy, whether it's Nike or the NBA, and, and we worry about Taiwan. We worry about, um, you know, I, I, one of the lead stories on, on some of the websites are that new weapons being developed. And it's just, the, there's increasing tension. Does that ever enter your mind? You're, you're fully committed at this point to China, I guess. Well, it's, uh, Joe, we operate in a complicated world, as you well know. We're in 140-ish countries today. And so on any given day, uh, we are watching macroeconomic and sociopolitical uh, events. Uh, but we feel good about our presence in China. We think it's a really important global market. And we'll continue to monitor like we do in every region of the world. Right. All right, Tony, hey, did you notice on Friday that Pfizer pill? Did that cross your radar? Would, would, does that seem like a, <laughs> that might be a good thing uh, for, for what's a good thing for all well, of us? Well, I think so. I think what it does is it continues to inspire confidence in the safety of travel, which is great news for our business. All right. Very good. Uh, Next time, I mean, I can almost see where you are. uh, Next time, hopefully you'll be here uh, and we'll be on set. Well, I hope uh, so. And hopefully I get to see you and Becky in Davos. Nice to see you both. Thank you. I'm in. I I volunteered. I'm I'm going. And and I'm not a big fan. I'm not Davos, man. He's not in today. But... uh, but I'll be there. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming on. Good, I'll see good you soon. luck. All right, we'll see you soon. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod on the road again, and this time Andrew's joining us. His interview with Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi and what the ride-sharing giant can tell us about a global recovery. The airport use case is a use case that has bottomed out the most. In the U.S., probably is coming back fastest followed by Latin America and then Europe and some of the other places. But the rebound is unmistakable. Wait times trending down, profitability trending up, and more food delivery on the way. That interview plus life decisions based on Twitter polls, the big one with Elon Musk, but also maybe another. I was thinking about taking a poll on my Twitter account, whether my hair was real or dyed or not, and it was like eight to three. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it. 
Book it. Live it. One travel. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. This next story is about Uber, the ride-sharing giant, reported a net loss of $2.4 billion in the third quarter, mostly because of a drop in the value of its investment holdings, particularly in China's ride-sharing business, Didi Shusheng. But the company was able to deliver investors its first profitable quarter on an adjusted basis, thanks to a rapidly recovering ride-share business. People are going out again. And the popularity of food delivery for when they stay home. Uber managed to surpass analyst expectations in all three of its business units, rideshare, delivery, and freight. In another sign of recovery, the company's active U.S. mobility drivers were up nearly 60%. And here's something. Trips to and from airports grew 35%. Our Andrew Ross Sorkin spoke with Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi about the latest quarter and what the results mean for the business. Here's Andrew. Dara. Uh, it was a remarkable quarter. It feels like things are getting back. I know the DD news clouds it a bit, but ha- how do you see it right now? Well, uh, things honestly are great. Uh, as the world is opening up, so is our business. Uh, we hit an all-time high in terms of gross bookings, $23 billion. Uh, October, again, was an all-time high for us. Uh, it was up over 40% uh, on a year-on-year basis. Uh, our mobility segment, is hitting uh, highs in terms of margin. Uh, Uber Eats, outside of the investments that we're making in some of the new verticals like uh, grocery, uh, hit EBITDA profit margins. The whole company is EBITDA profitable. Uh, So we're really pleased not only with where the company is now, we're finally EBITDA profitable, but also the road ahead. Uh, The supply situation is getting much, much better. So all signals right now are pointing to green. Speak, speak to the margin issue, though, because you, you did very well this quarter uh, on, on a, it feels like on a, you know, per drive kind of situation. Part of that seems to be a supply issue is when things come back into better balance, is that going to be better for you in the end or not? Uh, it's going to be much better. Uh, our part of the art and the science very much of our business is to balance supply and demand. And what we saw in the second quarter earlier this year is that the demand for transportation and mobility, as well as food, frankly, was growing much faster than supply. So the team went to work to make sure that we communicate to drivers and couriers out there. uh, This is flexible work. The earnings opportunities are incredible. And the results speak for themselves. We brought over 640,000 drivers and couriers onto the platform uh, since January. Uh, drivers are up 65%. Couriers are up 80%. When you look at the amount they made this quarter, they made $8.6 billion, up 60% uh, in terms of earnings as well. So now that you've got drivers and couriers earning really good money, the service is really singing. Uh, the, the average ETA When you push that button and you get a car is under the magic five-minute mark. We want to take it under the magic four-minute mark as well. But ETAs are strong, uh, surge is strong, and the demand is only growing as the service quality levels are getting better. So, uh, so far, so good. And we we talked about Q4 and Q4, we expect profitability to increase. Uh, And right now, all signs are positive for us. When you look at uh, one, one of the metrics around airports, up 35%, similar to, similar to Lyft, but uh, you're global. And I, I was curious what you think that looks like a quarter or two from now. 
Uh, airports are the last use case for us to come back, but they're definitely coming back. So, for example, we see business travel up over 60% uh, over the past couple of months. Uh, we see travel uh, in Europe from a small base starting to come back. Uh, in Asia, it's starting to come back as well. So when we look all over the world, generally the airport use case is a use case that has bottomed out the most. In the U.S., probably is coming back fastest, followed by Latin America and then Europe and some of the other places. But the rebound is unmistakable. You know, the human condition of wanting to move, of wanting to travel, wanting to get out of the house, uh, it's true for everyone and it's universal. Which raises the question, what does that mean for Uber Eats? Which to some degree, at least a lot of the excitement was almost around it being a pandemic play. Yeah, I think... Listen, as things were opening up, we were asking ourselves the same question. But if you look at the results for Uber Eats, uh, bookings were up 50% on a year-on-year basis. We're now actually seeing an uptick in terms of Q4 volumes, even versus Q3 and Q2. And the fact is that when you try Eats and you get to have you know, an unbelievable selection of food and now groceries and diapers, for example, delivered to your home, uh, in 30 minutes, it's a great product. So we're actually seeing the audience for Uber Eats uh, being sticky. Uh, we're seeing right now audiences up over 25%. Basket sizes are up uh, 10%. Um, uh, orders per eater up are up 10% as well. So all of the metrics are moving in the right direction, which to us means that this is a very, very sticky product that is going to be a part of everyday life for a long time to come. Dara, I, I know that you're requiring vaccination among the corporate workers at, at Uber. Um, how are you thinking about the drivers at this point, given some of the mandates that have come in place uh, from, from the White House? These people technically aren't employees. Yeah, they're not employees. Uh, and, you know, you've seen us. We have supported vaccinations uh, all over, uh, making sure that we provide free rides to those who need to get vaccinated, who have a hard time getting to uh, pharmacy, et cetera. So we've been big, big propon- proponents of vaccinations. As drivers are feeling more safe, and I think that safety is very much driven by uh, vaccinations, they're hitting the road. The number one concern why drivers uh, have told us that they're a little hesitant to get out there is because of safety. And as a higher percentage of our drivers are getting vaccinated, we see them coming back to the road. Earnings are terrific. Earnings for drivers who drive more than 20 hours in our top cities are more than $40 an hour. Totally flexible. Get to work when you want, where you want, which in this world uh, is even more important. So we are supporting vaccinations for drivers, riders, and we'll continue to do so. Supporting it but not requiring it. it what's the thought there? I mean, I, I know I know how strongly you feel about it. And so I, I'm curious why you wouldn't just say, you know what, I'm going to require it both for their benefit and maybe for the benefit of the business, because maybe more people will feel comfortable getting in the cars. I think that we will follow kind of the direction of, let's say, government mandates, et cetera. The fact is that our drivers are independent contractors uh, and they get to make those choices on their own. We are going to be encouraging them in every way, shape, and form. And by the way, that also applies to riders as well. And so what we're doing is making sure that uh, we protect your health. For example, our mask policy is still in place, but ultimately these are individual decisions unless the government says otherwise. 
And then finally, Didi. What to do about Didi, Dara? Do you hold on to Didi? Do you not? Well, what's, what's the thought process here? Well, first of all, we do believe in the ride-sharing space as a space that has a ton of growth ahead of it. You certainly see it in our business as far as like how it's coming back, the pace in which it's coming back, and the margins that you can earn out of business. So we like the category. I think the big issue with, with DD is ultimately, are they going to be a government entity or not? Uh, when you take a ride in DD, you know, is the Chinese government going to know where you are, when you are, et cetera? So I think that's a very difficult issue that anyone, you know, non-Chinese using the product has to wrestle with. As far as an investment goes for us, you know, we're not fund managers. So DD is a big stake uh, that we have on our books. We have plenty of cash. We have a very, very strong balance sheet. We're now moving into profitability territory. So over a period of time, I would anticipate that we monetize that stake, but we are in no particular hurry one way or the other. Derek Hazrashahi, always good to see you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Elon Musk making headlines over the weekend. He tweeted on Saturday, Much is made lately of unrealized gains being a means of tax avoidance, so I propose selling 10% of my Tesla stock. The tweet was a poll with 58% of the 3.5 million votes saying yes and 42% saying no, don't sell. Musk said he would abide by the results of the poll, whichever way it went. But Musk was likely to start selling shares anyway. CNBC calculates that he faces a looming tax bill of more than $15 billion thanks to stock options that he was granted while a California tax resident. Musk has not confirmed the size of that tax bill, but he did tweet, Note, I do not take a cash salary or bonus from anywhere. I only have stock. Thus, the only way for me to pay taxes personally is to sell stock. You might also have noticed that Musk changed his Twitter name to Lord Edge without any explanation. The creator of cryptocurrency Dogecoin tweeted that Lord Edge is an anagram for Elder Doge, but uh, no confirmation on that from Musk. Joe, what did you think about the uh, poll about whether to sell 10 percent of his holdings or not? I think that people and he knew that his his rabid and faithful followers would would be uh, supportive in favor of that. It, he does have to obviously when those options are, are turned into stock, he's going to get that that tax bill either way. So I, I mean, it's just funny how he tried to say that this is unrealized. You know, I, I just want to make sure that I'm not keep, keeping unrealized gains. I think he was more forthcoming when he said, look, it's the only way I it's can happen. I, I have to do way. it. I don't get cash, bon- a cash bonus or a cash salary. So I just think it's cool that if you like I, I, I'm a, I was thinking about taking a poll on my Twitter account, whether I did, whether, you know, whether my hair was real or dyed or not. And it was like eight to three that, oh. that, it, that it was dyed. I didn't get three and a half. Yeah. Why don't you do a Twitter get... poll on whether to shave it or not to prove it? <laughs> or whether to take it off. Actually, just come clean. <laughs> once hey, look, and I for can all. do that too. Watch. Yeah, exactly. I did that once, remember? And then we had, remember Justin, we had him sitting in my chair after we, uh, right. after you did a, do you after believe the... we used to do that? We did a, the, I was sitting was on set, you did a blower. leaf blower, leaf blower on, yeah. on my hair during business hours. Yeah. What were we thinking back then? It's probably not we the weirdest think... thing we've ever done. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, so I'm I'm for it. I'm for it. For selling? I'm fine. 10%? Yeah, and, 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 and this is, you know what? For people that hate Elon and hate billionaires, do the tax, do the math on what he's going to have to pay in taxes on that on, on that 10%. It's great. We can maybe we can, you know, fund the whole damn social spending bill just with Elon almost. Gives you he's, a little bit of insight as to why he left California though. 
Yeah, but it also... <laughs> big, big taxes there. I don't know many other people as far as whether they're productive members of society has contributed that much to oh, the government. Oh, no, that's a huge... To the huge government, uh, the effort. If Elon Musk had never been born, there right. wouldn't be that tax money coming into the federal coffers. So right. be grateful. He's not a, as I say, a POS. You don't know what that is, I know. No, you, I you're, not, you're like, what? I don't know what that is. No, that's so my weekend. Work. I don't... Oh, really? <laughs> And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. They are on CNBC every weekday morning at 6 Eastern. This podcast is available for free anytime wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple Podcasts, we're there. So follow, subscribe, add Squawk Pod, and we will meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel.